0: You know, we are an apostolic church. We've been talking about the aspect of, you know, uh, each of us have been called by God and sent into this world that we live in to represent Him. And we as a community of faith, we are describing ourselves as an apostolic church or a church of sent ones. Not just the pastor, not just the people who are evangelical, but we as a community um, are sent by God. Each and every one of you have people who you are unique uh, to them, who you are, you know, I can't, I don't know who they are. Each and every one of you have a sphere of influence that God wants you to realize that you are a sent one. I'm so blessed as I hear coming through, uh, you know, when I talk to people about those who are uh, recognizing that and who are actually honoring God and putting themselves into situations and coming back with pretty cool testimonies about what God is doing. So I just want to inspire you again uh, this morning that we are a sent church. We are an apostolic church. Last week we looked at the fact that um, we are um, sent by God to represent the love of God. It is the most essential thing that makes us different to any other community group, to any other organization that wants to help, that we carry something that is unique to the planet, which is the love of God. The love of God is the thing that has turned our lives around. When I met the love of God, uh, my life got turned upside down. I received incredible healing and hope uh, because of the love of God. I didn't receive a technique. I didn't receive... In a whole bunch of words, I received a tangible encounter with the love of God. And I'm sure each of you have encountered that. So um, again, let's look at Matthew chapter 28, the Great Commission. I'm going to read it to you again, Matthew 28, 18 through to 20. Um, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, "'All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. "'Go therefore and make disciples.'" of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the ends of the age. Note, Jesus said, teach them to observe all the things that I have commanded you. John chapter 13, verse 34 through to 35, Jesus talking to the disciples, Jesus preparing them for his transition to heaven, preparing them to represent him, uh, gives them this commandment. It says this, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. Note, A new commandment. The disciples in the commission were told to teach the commandments of God. The two main commandments of God are to love God. And then Jesus then goes on to say to love our fellow man. To love each other. Let's read it again. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you. That you also love one another. See, it's real interesting. Jesus wasn't saying just love. He was giving them the example of what we need to do or be like when we are to love. He was explaining that he came as the example. And the same way he has loved each of you, we are to love those around us. It is so important for us as a church that we understand that we can't can't go into the world and represent the kingdom of heaven, and talk about the love of God if we aren't ourselves displaying it. We as a community must be displaying this higher form of love that Jesus displayed to each of us. If we don't love each other, how can we then therefore go and show others this higher way? You know, so often in life and church and community with each other, there are challenges to love each other. Uh, You know, there are. But that is not an excuse. We are called to love each other in this higher form of love, which I want to go on and explain a little later. Love each other. Look for opportunities to demonstrate the love of God. You know, it's easy to say, brother, I love you. I remember going to a meeting once uh, and um, uh, there was a guy from the U.S. This was in New Zealand and um, he was a bit out there, but out there for me really. And he said, look, I want you to turn to the person next to you and say, I love you. And uh, I didn't know the guy next to me. And he was a big, tall guy. And I've got to tell you, uh, I didn't do it. I didn't turn to the guy and say that. I felt uncomfortable. I didn't know him. If you, were, you know, a bunch of people did, good on you. But it's kind of funny, see, you can say it, Real easy, but it's a lot harder to do it. We can say we represent a higher form of love, but it is so much harder to do it. And now, um, Karen, I want you to come over and say to Greg, I love you. Look at that look. No, it's kind of an awkward thing anyway, isn't it? Though You know what I mean? But we need to be demonstrating it. Do you understand? Because we can't, the world will understand we're different because we love each other. If you are married, if you are a married person, you know, and your marriage is to display a higher form of love. So those around you will realize that um, you have something different. Too many marriages are failing. Higher form of love. Okay, so we are sent to carry this higher form of love. Amen. Uh, John the disciple who describes himself as the disciple that uh, Jesus loved. I love John. John's an interesting guy. Imagine, you know, hey, I'm the disciple Jesus loved as as if he was some kind of exclusive kind of disciple that, you know, Jesus really, he loves me. Don't know about you, Greg, but um, I don't know, man. That would have to be a higher form of love. No, 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 I'm joking about that. But John has a revelation. John is described often as John the Revelator because of the book of Revelation that John wrote. But in fact, John is the Revelator because it had revelation of the love of God. And John begins to expose this revelation in one John. I love one John and uh, and second John because there's a lot about John the Revelator revealing to us the love of God. And so 1 John 4, 7, 8 says this, 1 John chapter 4, 7 through 8 says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. See, God is love. You don't, God doesn't say, I'm going to love. God is at his core love. He cannot be love, whatever he does, be it You know, however he deals with our lives, it will always come out of the essence of love. Even when he has to chastise, even when he has to try to correct, it always comes from a central thing called love because God is love. You know, that's the challenge for us as a church, that we need to, whatever we do when we're in relationships with people or we might get offended or whatever it is, we need to, at the core of how we deal with these challenges, is love. Do you understand? God is love. Uh, whatever is born of God. See, you know, whatever love is born out of your relationship with God. It's like a woman who is pregnant carrying a baby. She births the baby. God, um, uh, you can tell if you're in, uh, working out of love because what you do will be birthed out of love. You understand? When you're not in it, you'll know. And you're not going to be birthed in love. You might be birthed in something else. Too many churches are broken up because of offence. Too many churches are broken up because people fall out of this understanding of love for one another. Um, this COVID thing and the, the vaccine, you know, we looked at it last week. We cannot as a church or a community afford to fall out of our mandate to love because someone has the vaccine or doesn't have the vaccine. We have a whole above whatever is happening in the planet. At our core, at our deepest value, we must love. Hallelujah. You were created in God's image. You know that? So all of you, because you have been created in God's image, part of the deal as you've taken on some of the nature. So that's where you get the capacity to love because you have been made in the image of God. Because God loves, he's given you, designed you the ability to love. Here's the key though. You make the choice to love or not to love. In your relationships, in our view of the world, we make choices. God designed us with choice, but you have the capacity to love because God gave it. In that scripture where it talks about um, beloved let us love one another uh, for love is from God is the Greek word agape. Agape is a different form of love. When you see agape in the translations it is a particular form of love. It is not a natural love. It is a higher form of love. Now you've been created with the capacity to love. But when you encounter God, you are given a higher form of love. This agape love, the thing about agape love is that it is described as an unconditional love, a love feast of unconditional love. So when God says he loves us, and when God talks about loving you, he has a higher form of love when he looks at you that is unconditional. Even when you fail, even when you make mistakes, even when you are a bonehead, God always deals with you from the higher form of agape love, which is unconditional. He does not stop loving. See, it's a higher form. The world has been created with the ability to love but it is at a lower level and you make the choice in that. Often the love that we have in the world is a world that is, I'll love you if you love me. But God has said, no, no, man, the bar bar is higher. It is an unconditional love which is a massive challenge. It is a massive challenge for you and I to live in a world that has this lower form of love that will mistreat us and treat us badly. And you can even be in a marriage or in a relationship with someone who does not demonstrate a higher form of love and mistreats you. But the Bible says higher form, agape, unconditional. You understand? Which is a massive challenge. Man, what are you doing, God? Well, you want us to love like you. How the heck can we do it? We're flesh and blood, we're finite. You know, we have emotions and feelings when people betray us or do whatever, it hurts. But he said, agape. Are you with me? Higher form. Unconditional love. It is very similar to the love a parent has with a child. That's why the Bible calls us his children. You are his child. And God looks at you not as someone else's child, but as his own child. And I know for myself as a parent and a grandparent that there is a form of love in me that I work, have worked through from when my children were little, which is even though when they are annoying, even though when they poo their nappies, picker, can you change the nappy? It's a joke, family. Anyway, you know, your kids can annoy you. Your kids can do, I, I've watched Hannah. Hannah loves little Finn. She loves him, man. She just like, and, and if you praise Finn, she goes, whoa, she loves you because you love him. You know, and, and she'll be, you know, I've watched the journey um, with her and Izzy. But as Finn has gotten older, oh, there's a change. He's not the nice little, you know, you know, Okay, now his will will is starting to enact. And he's starting to do things that can be described as annoying. And it's interesting watching Izzy and Hannah progress from, isn't he beautiful, to, well, he could be a bit annoying, that kid. You know? Peter and I don't care. He comes up to where we live and we just let him do whatever he wants because we're the grandparents. We don't care. You know? But, parenting is a display of this higher form of love. You see, because we are his children. And it is important that we recognize the rest of the world and those in our pews are also his children. You with me? So agape is a higher form of love. God has commanded us to Outwork this higher form of love, this unconditional love. Now, I want to take you somewhere which is super interesting. Um, it's a funny thing as a preacher, you know, kind of it's like being a builder. I lay a little foundation, and you think, what the hell's he going on about? And then I can go bang. Hopefully, I'm going to go bang. Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 6 through to 8, which is really interesting because I kind of have looked at the scripture. A uh, hundred thousand times. I don't know how I've preached out of it, but there is something that I have not necessarily seen before. So 2 Timothy chapter 1, 6 through to 8. Uh, Therefore, I remind you, this is Paul talking to Timothy, his disciple Timothy was given the responsibility of leading people. He was a young man, but given a lot of responsibility. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of hands. Verse 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Verse 8. Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but share with me in the suffering of the gospel according to the Power of God. Super interesting. This scripture is, God hasn't given you fear. Man, don't be frightened in this time of COVID. Don't be fearful, whatever. But God has given you a spirit, the pneuma, the the breath, the essence, the essence of God he's given you. The breath of God has come upon you because that's what uh, this thing when it talks about spirit is. And then that breath as it breathes upon you has given you a couple of things that will move you away from fear. It says, I have given you a spirit, the breath of power, dunamis, the power of God, of love, agape. And then on the other side of that, it says, and a sound mind. Now when I've read the scripture often I I just love the dunamis bit. And I've always focused quite bigly, you know, for me when I read it, I ain't got fair man, I've got miraculous power. You know? I've got supernatural, miracle working power. And I've kind of yeah, I've got love, but I've jumped over it. And then I've preached out of man, God hasn't given you, you know, a cuckoo mind. He's given you a sound mind. And I've kind of jumped the middle bit often. But it's really interesting because first of all, I want you to note back in the first verse of 6, it says, stir up the gift. Stir up the gift that was given to you by the laying on of hands. So there was a gift given to Timothy when there was a laying on of hands. That is not a spirit of fear but it is a a spirit of power and a spirit of love. And then thirdly, it's our mind. And this is kind of like a sandwich. It is a sandwich that on one side is power from heaven, that the breath of God has breathed power on you that is not like the power of the word, but is supernatural. And on the other side of the sandwich, not the bit in the middle, is this thing described as a sound mind or a disciplined mind. But the thing in the middle is the filling that's most important. You see, because without love, you've got nothing because God is love. And we were meant to take the message of love. So we have power on one side of the equation, which is miraculous, which is supernatural. And we have love. God has given you the agape love, or the capacity to love. Do you understand that? It is a higher form of love, but he didn't just say, hey, you've got to do it. He has given you the enabling to help you do it. The word gift is where we get the word charisma from. So think about it this way. God has given you charisma. The gift from heaven of charisma. So the charisma that has power and love and soundness of mind. Now you've heard the word say to you guys, so-and-so is charismatic. There is something about that person that causes people to be drawn to them and be influenced by that person because their nature, their personality displays this thing called Charisma. Charismatic. So here's the thought. You have been given charisma, my friends. You have been given charismatic abilities that are called to draw people to you and has power to influence. You with me? Oh, you already knew that. You already knew that? I don't think so. Maybe a bit. Think about charismatic people. Jesus, when he walked the planet, was the most charismatic personality because from the highest form to the lowest form were drawn to this man because there was something about when he was there in his very presence and his very words that drew people to him, to him. Because he had this charismatic ability. When I met the person of Jesus Christ, I was drawn to the charismatic aspect of his person. And Jesus is telling you and I that you have that same ability. You are a charismatic person. I'm going to read you a couple of definitions. Can I have an amen or am I the only one that's enthused about this? Because there are a lot of people who are trying to lead our nation. There's lots of voices that are displaying forms of charisma Musicians, politicians, but nothing compares to Jesus. Charisma, a compelling ability to attract or charm and inspire. A personal quality that influences and draws people to you. I mean, I like this, man. And I, I was reflecting on that this week about, you know, when I believe this, when Jesus has taken me into people's lives and worlds that I, in a natural form, don't carry a lot of what would be appealing to people. However, because the pneuma breath of God is on my life, that God has breathed upon me the ability to have charisma, to attract people and to draw them and influence them, it changes the game. My prayer is that when I preach, not that I am lifted up, but that ability of charisma to draw and influence happens. You know, we've been learning from Kevin Phil, and those of you that haven't taken on, you have missed out badly. Too late, you missed. Kevin has been talking about demonstrating the power of God. Think about it. And when I heard the first message, it incredibly challenged me as a preacher. Because he was quoting a scripture where Paul said, that I have not come to you with the wisdom of man, but in the power of God. In order that your faith would not be built on the wisdom of man, but on the power of God. So I went through a time of self-reflection. How much power is going on? How much power... And I kind of got stuck in the miraculous, but we have a drive in our church and many who want the miraculous. But I want you to think about what power is the most powerful. Love. Love wrapped in the sandwich of power and sound-mindedness. How can you act Or demonstrate like Jesus did? Well, my friends, you have miraculous supernatural power that will enable you. How can you, when someone offends you or you get angry at what's happening in the world, still carry agape life? Well, my friends, not only do you have power, but you have a mind that has been disciplined by the word of God. I think this is good. But do you believe it? See, do you believe that the breath of God is on you and that there is a charismatic ability that when you go somewhere, lives will change because he is on you and that they will be drawn to your words by that charisma. I want to inspire each and every one of you. I don't care. I do care, but I don't care or it's not an excuse if you say I am too shy or I am too dumb, or I am too ugly, or I am too tall, or I am too poor, or I am too whatever. None of that matters. That is natural level. Natural level, friends. But there is on you a gift given by God to give you power, to give you the brain, the mind that can process offense and to remain loving. Can I have an amen? Let me tell you, one of the most loving people I know is my wife. I mean, most people know when, if you want a bit of sympathy, don't come to me. I mean, I'm, I'm try, I do try. But I'm, my wife has... Demonstrated a lot of agape love, uh, you know. I've been the recipient of it, actually. Um, of course, it's not that I don't love, but but I'm trying to say, you know, people are drawn to her more than they're drawn to me. You know why? Because she is demonstrates love way better than I do. Amen. 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 Kind of good, not so good, but anyway. You are charismatic. You have been made attractive because you have received the gift of God upon your life. He has given you power to outwork that love. He has, agape, he has given you the ability to have your mind not drawn to the ugliness of hate, not to the ugliness of fear. Too much fear wrapped around this virus thing. Too much fear wrapped around people behaving. Vaccine, no vaccine. Friend, you don't have to have the crazy mind that the rest of the world has. And we are not to stop being a church who has sent people. Because we have power, because we, we have sound mind, we don't have the spirit of timidity or fear. And we have in the core of it the powerful agape love of God given to us. But here's the thing. Are oh, you given it? Are you doing it? Do you believe it? A few years ago, I was thinking about illustrations in regards to this in my life. Um, can I have an amen first to make sure? Amen. Take it one more higher. Amen. That's good. <laughs> amen. Andrew, you should be on the worship team singing. Quite a few years ago, in New Zealand, um, I'd got a job as a salesman. Me and a friend of mine, the guy who actually discipled me, um, we were salesmen, we were selling a product. And um, both of us, wherever we went with this thing about selling, because we would often deal directly with people, you know, um, in their homes or whatever, organisations, um, we'd always had this sense of we are sent people. And um, that would go to varying degrees of challenge in regards to how much did we believe it. You know, if it was kind of an easy way to, you know, share God, it would kind of, you know, wouldn't be too bad. But there were moments when it was like, do I really want to do this in this place, at this particular situation? One of those was when we had been invited uh, to talk with a nonprofit organization that was actually a gang that was very significant in New Zealand, that was very powerful in New Zealand, and that was making a lot of money through illegal activities. And we got invited to go to their very club room, and I've told you the story probably, but I'm going to tell it again, one aspect of it. So these men who we were talking to were the leaders of the gang, they were quite well known in, in New Zealand and in Auckland, because they led a very, it's like you see the things here in Australia about people leading these gangs, you know what, kind of, that, kind of those kind of people. And I'm going with my mate to sell them a product and in the back of my mind is I'm a sent one. And we go in and you know we had to knock at this big door and the little thing opened up. Who are you? You know, tattooed face looking out, you know, not white. And um, intimidating, oh, we're here to see so and so. And we go in, we go right into the center of the clubhouse and um, we proceed to do the deal with the, the leaders. And so there was probably a whole bunch of them. And there were dudes further back in the bar. You know, they used to have this thing. Zig Hale was their thing. And I, I've got to tell you, I was super intimidated. I was intimidated. But in the back of my mind is scent. You know? And anyway, we did the, we did the deal. But what happened was, and I was saying, God, I'm I'm freaking out. You better help me here if you want me. And my mate was as evangelical, if not more than me. And anyway, as we finished the deal and we did the deal and we were walking out and I think it was one of the brothers followed us, who was the second in charge. And we walk out and he's following us and he's tats all over his face. In fact, I think my friend in the the clubhouse had said a bit of his story because he was quite a big guy, come from a rough background. Anyway, this dude follows us out and we go out and we're out by the car and then nobody else is around. Then this leader of a gang then looked at us and started to talk about his encounter with Jesus. And he began to weep with tears that when he was in prison for quite a period of time that there was no other place he could find strength to get through his time in prison was Jesus. We shared with that man. And um, we had a, a great time. One of the brothers actually who was in the conversation later on became an evangelist in New Zealand, quite well known. My point is to you is it doesn't matter how big or small this thing of when you go into being sent, you carry something From out of from out of this world, from heaven. You carry power. You carry the mind that is meant to discipline itself and not break down to fear when you're meant to share your faith. Do you understand? But you have this thing called love. That man's heart was melted because of the touch of God and our lives that caused him to weep. Do you understand what I'm saying? See, I I know there are many, many people in this community that are desperately needing what you have to say to them. God has given you love. God has given you power. And God has given you the mind capacity to cope with whatever that sent message means. The Bible says in 1 John 4, verse 18, perfect love casts out all fear. I'm not going to go down there today, but that is a powerful statement. Perfect love, agape love deals with fear. That's why God cannot give you a spirit of fear because fear cannot exist with God in you if you believe it. He said to Timothy, I'm probably going to go a little bit over it, never mind. Um, put in context who he's talking to when he says, God hasn't given you a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. He's talking to Timothy. He says, Timothy, at the beginning of it, therefore I remind you, therefore I, as Paul, the apostle, remind you, Timothy, of something that you must be continually reminded about because it's very easy, Timothy, for you and what you do to have forgotten this thing that God didn't give you fear but he gave you power, love and a sound mind. And you see, my friends, I feel that We are needing to be reminded that God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but friend, I want to remind you this morning, or even instruct you in a deeper way, that you carry something powerful, that you carry the love of God in you, that is charismatic and attracting to a world that needs it. I'm going to read you a song, I'm not going to sing it, because I don't sing as good as Andrew. It was a song that was sung by a guy I used to love listening to back in the day, a guy named Phil Collins. Anybody know who Phil Collins is? If you don't, you're just down here, you don't know nothing. That was in love. It was a song that was called, um, given the title, Higher Love. Written by another guy, but Phil Collins sung it. What was that? There you go. This are the, these are the lyrics. Think about it. There must be higher love. Down in the heart or hidden in the stars above. Without it, life is wasted time. Life is a wasted time. Look inside your heart. I'll look inside mine. Things look so bad everywhere in this whole world. What is fear? As in justice. We walk blind and we try to see, falling behind, and what could be. Bring me a higher love. Bring me a higher love. Bring me a higher love. That song was the cry of a generation that has not stopped being cried. That there is a world out there who are crying for us to bring them a higher love, my friends. That song was not sung by someone who knew him, but there was a yearning in their heart because man has been designed by God to yearn for the higher love. I know for me when I experienced that higher love, there was a transformation and a change and my life would never be the same. And I assume that is the same for each of us. My friends, I want to inspire us as a church and continue to aspire that we are representing the one who wants us to carry the higher love that the world badly needs. Do not... Be fearful of being a sent one. Believe in fact that the Almighty God is with you. Believe in fact that there is a yearning in the hearts of those that He is sending you to. Amen? It isn't the time. It isn't the time to be living without the sense of our purpose. It isn't a time to get caught up in the stupidity of all the stupid information that the internet and YouTube and, you know, whatever. You know, the the great conspiracy, whatever. There are great conspiracies, I'm sure, but, friend, if that detracts, with the sense of taking our higher love. It isn't a time to be caught in your own. I can't. I won't. I'm going to pray. You know, Jesus, you are the most charismatic being in the universe. Lord, you love And you accept us when we are the dumbest of dumb. And we do things we even know we shouldn't do, but you do not stop loving. And then, Lord, you said to your disciples, go and teach and make disciples. And, Lord, you have commanded us to go with love. Lord, I pray for each and every person here this morning. Break the spirit of fear in the name of Jesus Christ. Let there be a deeper revelation, God, of what is in us and on us and what we carry. And Lord, lead each person listening to this, to those moments when they have the opportunity to be a sent one. And Lord, I look forward to, to the many hundreds of testimonies of watching the breath of God breathe out of these people. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.